Chapters two and three of Ruth Hall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It was so odd in Ruth to have no one but the family at the wedding. It was just one of her queer freaks. Where was the use of her white satin dress and orange wreath? What the use of her looking handsomer than she ever did before when there was nobody there to see her? Nobody to see her mark that manly form at her side, see his dark eye glisten and his chiseled lip quiver as he bends an earnest gaze on her who realizes all his boyhood dreams. Mistaken ones, it is not admiration which that young beating heart craves, it is love. A very fine looking presentable fellow said hyacinth as the carriage rolled away with his new brother-in-law really love is a great beautifier ruth looked quite handsome to-night lord bless me how immensely tiresome it must be to sit opposite the same face three times a day three hundred and sixty-five days in a year i should weary of venus herself i'm glad my handsome brother-in-law is in such good circumstances duns are a bore I must keep on the right side of him. Tom, was that tailor here again yesterday? Did you tell him I was out of town? Right, Tom. End of chapter 2 Chapter 3 Well, I hope Harry will be happy, said Ruth's mother-in-law, old Mrs. Hall, as she untied her cap-strings and seated herself in the newly furnished parlor to await the coming of the bride and bridegroom. I can't say, though, that I see the need of his being married. I always mended his socks. He has sixteen brand-new shirts, eight linen and eight cotton. I made them myself out of the Hamilton long-cloth. Hamilton long-cloth is good cotton, too. Strong, firm, and wears well. Eight cotton and eight linen shirts. Can anybody tell what he got married for? I don't know. If he tired of his boarding-house, of course he could always come home. As to Ruth, I don't know anything about her. Of course she is perfect in his eyes. I remember the time when he used to think me perfect. I suppose I shall be laid on the shelf now. Well, what beauty he can find in that pale golden hair and those blue-gray eyes, I don't know. I can't say I fancy the family either. Proud is Lucifer, all of em. Nothing to be proud of either. The father next to nothing when he began life, the son a conceited jackanapes, who divides his time between writing rhymes and inventing new ties for his cravat. Well, well, we shall see, but I doubt if this bride is anything but a well-dressed doll. I've been peeping into her bureau drawers to-day. What is the use of all those ruffles on her underclothes, I'd like to know? Who's going to wash and iron them? Presents to her. Well, why don't people make sensible presents? A dozen of dish towels, some crash rollers, a ball of wick yarn, or the like of that. Oh, dear, there's the carriage. Now, for one month to come, to say the least, I shall be made perfectly sick with their billing and cooing. I shouldn't be surprised if Harry didn't speak to me oftener than once a day. Had he married a practical woman, I wouldn't have cared. Somebody who looked as if God made her for something. But that little yellow-haired simpleton! Ugh. Poor Ruth! 
in happy ignorance of the state of her new mother-in-law's feelings, moved about her apartments in a sort of blissful dream. How odd it seemed, this new freedom, this being one's own mistress! How odd to see that shaving-brush and those razors lying on her toilet-table! Then that saucy-looking smoking-cap, those slippers and that dressing-gown, those fancy neckties, too, and vests and coats, in unrebuked proximity to her muslins, laces, silks, and delaines. Ruth liked it. End of chapter 3